Hey podcast, welcome back. My name is Jasmine Wonders. I am one of your co-hosts along with RJ Rome. Before we jump straight into the episode, I want to take a second to say thank you for being here. And if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe, leave us a comment on social with your thoughts. And now to the episode. So good morning, Jackie. Welcome to our podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Can you uh, give us an introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you what you write? Sure. Um, I'm Jackie Paxson. I uh, live in central Pennsylvania. Uh, I am not Amish. I know a lot of people <laughs> think central PA, you know, Amish. Uh, I am not. Uh, <laughs> um, I write romantic comedy with um, a, a good dash of emotion or suspense uh, woven in with it. Um, uh, I've been a published writer for about a year and a half, and I'm on my seventh book coming out this fall. So, um, when you say published, are you self-publishing or are you traditionally published? I am self-published. Okay. So- uh I it's been a bumpy road so yes it is definitely a learn as you go kind of thing um I definitely have learned things from my first book out to what I'm doing with this one coming out this fall so when did you release your first book what year was that uh May of 2019 that was uh tabloid in my dirty laundry series Okay. And I, we were just talking about this, Jasmine and I, before, um, how once you learn the process, you think you learn the process, everything changes. <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> uh, very much so. Yeah. Or, or somebody jumps in and says, hey, have you thought of that? And it's like, um, no, but that would have been helpful three yeah. months ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. And there's certain things that my... Uh, like personality is just not great with marketing. Like it's unfortunately so very boring to me, but it's a, such a necessary um, thing to do, especially being self-published and trying to start from the ground up and, and like working to build your tribe and your, the, the people to really like your work. And that is so much work when I'm like, can I just write stories that make people right. laugh? <laughs> like that's right. all I <laughs> And that, like bringing that up with marketing, then what is what are some of the things you started doing in the beginning when you, I guess, got into it? Um, when I first started, actually, I have to go about seven years ago, eight years ago, actually, I became a book blogger. Hmm. So I was in it a little bit okay. on, on a completely different end, though. So like working with PR companies and stuff like that to get ARCs to read and stuff like that is a completely different side of the coin than like being an author, working with PR companies and and marketing and stuff like that. Um, I was able to at least have a little bit of knowledge on that. So I knew working with some as a beta or an ARC reader for certain authors, I knew from some of the success with them, they need it. You need like a team, you need a lot of the stuff, but it's also like, well, I'm brand new. How do you build that? That's, it's still tough. So 
it was basically, it was pretty rough, um, but I knew the steps. I knew what I needed to be sort of successful with, with what, like getting my name out there, getting my stuff out there, getting, you know, my books read. It's, it's still a, a work in progress. It is still like uh, an ongoing thing, but it is definitely me having had that knowledge for eight years of working with PR companies and other authors and stuff like that. I at least had a little bit of knowledge, but it surely wasn't enough to make it bestseller level kind of stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. And you start, you start building on it. And, you know, I, I have a pretty good setup now with betas and arc reader group and stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. Is there someone specifically that you spoke to or reached out to for help with that? Honestly, no. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of solo with that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I don't know if that's just because it's not because I don't want to work with anybody else. It's just, I, I, I wasn't sure how open some people would be. Mm. So I didn't want to cross that line. I didn't want to like, cause if I, cause that when I first started, I was still sort of blogging. I was still, so I didn't want to ask these questions versus, you know, oh, you're trying to use me kind of thing. And I didn't want them to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And that might just be me thinking that. Um, but I know some some authors are very protective about that kind of stuff. Me, not so much. I'm actually working with a group of about 20 some established authors, some like writing their manuscript for the very first time in a container to um, really support each other and work on manuscripts and work on marketing and learning the business and stuff like that. So it's really right now, what I'm doing is working with a lot of authors with that kind of stuff. I wish I'd had this when I first started so that you almost have a, a, a support system of, of other authors. But I honestly, once I got on Instagram and found like found like RJ and you know all, the whole group with the loops and stuff like that it really started to build and you start to really see oh there's a lot of us out there and I didn't have to do it alone right yes I agree it was definitely comforting um going out into you know this world you think you're alone and you find out there's a bunch of other people trying to do the same thing and they're all so generous with knowledge it, it's refreshing Mm-hmm. And to be able to bounce ideas off of people and, and to know it's a safe space and that they're not going to run and take your idea like, like right. on a manuscript or something like that. Cause that's, that's something that authors are really protective of. And I mean, I know me personally with me writing rom-com, that's one of my favorite genres to read. However, I won't do that while I'm in the middle of a manuscript because right. I Carry could, over. exactly. I could inadvertently, grab something and not, right. not even knowingly do it. And I would never want to do that to somebody. So I read completely off my genre as whenever I'm in the middle of a manuscript. So as far as Instagram, I know you post a lot of quotes and funny stuff. <laughs> oh, what's the inspiration behind that? Honestly, that's me. <laughs> Those are a lot of my true feelings. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I'm, there's like when, when you have a day job, 
and you can't say a lot of those kinds of things or a lot of those kinds of feelings or frustrations and in a funny way like those those honestly that's if you asked any of my friends or even my husband or my my kids they'd be like oh that's her that's not (laughs) that is not the if if I uh if I could come up with some of this stuff, half the stuff that's funny, I'm like, oh, I wish I thought of that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even at work, though, like my boss is a good friend of mine. And uh, I, I, the one-liners I come up with sometimes, she's like, okay, you're going on mute now. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh, boy. <laughs> and But that's, they actually just go, well, that's her. It's fine. It's <laughs> the things I get away with. It's been a good thing. I've been there almost 10 years. <laughs> it's a good thing you write rom-coms then <laughs> exactly they like people have read them and they go I hear your voice which is really creepy during the sex scenes I'm like please, oh my God. please don't please no like that's don't envision me don't oh boy my voice that's no <laughs> so you just said you do you have a day job I do I do yes and and they know about your your writing career they do they do a lot of them honestly um because I do write under my maiden name. So like people like my high school friends definitely know, but it's like, I don't, I try not to cross over into my work, but a lot of times my, my work friends are very supportive and very um, actually one of my betas, she's kind of like an alpha beta is one of my work friends. And she is constantly like, I need more chapters. I need more chapters. Where are you at? What are we doing? And I'm like, hold on. Like, That's great. <laughs> life gets in the way, sister. I can't, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you can only write, but so fast. <laughs> exactly. But she's so, she's so in, 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 into what I write, which is, it's a, it's a great ego boost, honestly. It is. <laughs> but, but it's also like, it does add a little bit of a level of stress. Cause you're like, okay, I got to get these out. Right. Because people are excited about it. But on the flip side, it's like, well, I don't want to put out garbage either. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as authors, you also have that mindset where you're like, I just wrote three chapters of trash, even though it could have been, <laughs> yeah. been war and peace and the best thing ever. And you're like, no, that's garbage. It's. <laughs> but then do you go back and read it? And you're like, wow, I can't believe I, I wrote this. Because I have that epiphany moment a lot. And maybe it's just my own ego, but it's like, Wow. I, I get that a lot with my audiobooks when I have in a uh, narrator and I currently have one, he's a, uh, he's British. And because the book is set in primarily in um, the UK and he is, is phenomenal. And I was sitting there going, Oh, this is a really good book. Not even thinking. <laughs> oh yeah. I wrote this. I wrote this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm Great, like, so- I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I did. I remember that. But then the worst is when you hear it and you're like, oh, that's that. I should never have left it, you know, or something right, like that. Right. But I, I mean, I do get that. I get that, especially with the audios, because it's like somebody completely different, completely different voice, completely different everything. And you're like, huh, that's not too bad, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So hold on. I have to ask you, how do you get into the audiobook? business because I'm not in that at all. So mm-hmm. I think, I think that would be an interesting point to talk about. Sure. Um, I actually go through ACX, which is an okay. affiliate with Audible. And I think, okay. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. They're an affiliate with <laughs> Audible and um, 
Amazon. Right. And basically you put up, I mean, it's, it's truly simple as long as you, are all of your stuff at, um, up in Amazon? Yes. Okay. So honestly you would just create an account and, um, a lot of times it's the, the best bet is to use your Amazon account. Right. And it just crosses over. It public, it, it populates which book you want and you set up, um, an audition and you can listen to producers. They'll produce your book for you. They will do everything. Um, you can do something called a royalty split. You can pay outright for their time. You can, <clears throat> there's lots of different options. Um, it just depends, honestly. Um, so is this a paid service or this is, you do this for free? Um, to do all of this, you don't right. have to put any money out. Okay. Unless you choose. Did not know and that. The choose part is if you hire a producer mm-hmm. and they only do uh, pay per hour, then that's that's something you have to work out with a contract and things like that. Okay. Um you give them a timeline. Um, you can even, with being a new author into um, into audio, audio uh, you're not quite established. So you kind of have to hunt them out. They won't hunt for you. Okay. But you just put up an audition. Sometimes there is, because a lot of times you might get really great new narrators that have never done it before, or they're, or they're only a couple books in and they're not that established. So they won't ask for pay per hour and you can just do a royalty split where each of you for each book sold, you get 20% each. Okay. So, and I mean, this is, this is my moneymaker. This is where I uh, I was just going to ask you that. So is it, is it worth it in the long run versus ebook sales? Like which one is more I make more money on my uh, audios. Okay. I really do. And um, like I have learned that it is worth paying certain ones. Um, I have two books that I've paid out. Um, It is a good chunk of change, but you can negotiate how much per hour and things like that. Um, However, if their voices and their ability to... I'm really picky with, with like, especially you have to make the characters sound different. Right. Like I hate listening to audiobooks where it all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, like when I uh, hired the, the uh, British narrator, his name's John York. Uh, and he um, is phenomenal in doing also female voices, American voices, Scottish voices. Like it was like, I was blown away. Like he, he just, I was like, okay, it's worth paying some, some money towards this because I'm going to get a quality product out of it. But if there's somebody new who is just building their repertoire, it might be better just to um, split the royalties because then you're like, okay, they're good. Maybe not the best, but you're starting out and it's, it, it's a, it's a good way to get your, your stuff out there and being connected with Amazon, then it will automatically come up that they can purchase the audiobook when they get the eBooks. I don't know if you've seen that on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's usually discounted. 
Yep. Yep. And they can do that. So I, I honestly, I like working with ACX. I know there is draft to digital does um, it now has their own. And I know there is one other one that I haven't worked, uh, haven't been involved with, but honestly, I've, I've had success with ACX. I don't see the issue with it right now. So until that day comes, I'll continue to work with them. And they have really good quality narrators. So what's the audition process like then? Um, basically, you put a snippet of your manuscript up mm-hmm. and then give them direction. Okay. So, for instance, like the, the British one that I, that I had auditioned, because in there, I was going to be really picky because, one, I didn't know if I wanted an all-male or a all-female narrator. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they needed to be able to switch back and forth from voices. They needed to like accents mm-hmm. and I was really picky about that. So I picked something that would be tough where it was basically the first chapter of my book is set in Chicago and it's two female um, Americans. So if he or she is British and they can do that American accent, then I would consider them, but it has to be, because it it it's important to differentiate because she the my characters do come from America and it's just her family who's in the UK mm-hmm. so you she would be a major part of the of the story so it was terribly important to get her correct right. Um, right. so a lot of times i just use the first chapter um and they they read through it and they they submit it to you, and sometimes you'll get a uh, an email regarding them, uh, like what exact. I mean, I, I had some of the uh, British narrators asking me the exact kind of British accent, and I'm like, oh, sweetheart, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, do you want Cockney? Do you want, you know? Oh my goodness! No, you, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! It's I want British, British. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sorry, American here, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, and, and then I, I was like, you, you, go for you. Like you try. I don't know. I, I'm not going to know the difference, honestly. I'll I'm hear sure. it when I, I'll, I'll know when I hear it. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then you'll know when you hear, when you, when you listen to these auditions, that it is a good one, a bad one, you know, or you're like, that just does not fit my character in my head. Right. Isn't that so funny how we know how the character is supposed to sound in our head? <laughs> I, I know. Like, it's weird. I, I always tell people it's the voices in my head. So yes. I know, and I know what they look like. Mm. And it's, it's funny. Cause um, I think we've all, all authors have done this at some point with marketing is you pick a guy and you're like, Oh, isn't this <clears throat> so-and-so doesn't this look just like them? And I love when my readers can go, that's exactly who I pictured. And it's just some random person. It's not like Chris Hemsworth or anything like that. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it's just like some random model. And they're like, that is exactly who I pictured Max to be or, or whoever. And it's like, good. 
Yay. Right. <laughs> See, I'm, my job. I'm always disappointed when a movie comes out that's based on a book and it's so far from what I, what I imagined in my head reading that book. And it's like disappointing. Oh, I know. That's the worst <laughs> when you're like, oh, that's not him. Yeah. Like 50 shades of gray. Oh, Christian. Totally wasn't what I imagined. <laughs> that's exactly who I was thinking about too. I was like, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. That's, mm. I was like, he was scrawny and stuff. I was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but then sometimes when I'm writing and I have this picture of the character in my head, I find it so hard to describe him on paper. I'm like, wait a minute. I see him in mm-hmm. my mind. Why can't I tell the reader who he is? Mm-hmm. That's, that's so important for covers too. When you're doing, when you're picking out a picture for covers and you're like, I, this is who I want it. Like, this is in my head, this is as close as it's going to get. Right. So I try and do like Sylvia Day's philosophy is she does not ever like to put a model on the cover. mm -hmm. And I've tried to stay with that philosophy, mm -hmm. but I mean, I think it helps to have someone on there depending on what you write. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've had, um, I've, I've learned, it seems like people are attracted though Mm -hmm. to like couples on the covers or a really hot guy on the cover, you know? (laughs) And then in my one book, I do have an, an, um, a cartoon graphic cover. And I, I had heard, um, some rumblings that they were like, Oh, it's just, sloppy to just have it as comic Mm. like that and I'm just like but that fits my story right that's because it's overly funny it's overly ridiculous so it's it is more comic like but it's still romance and you know it 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 differentiates the kinds of rom-com I might write and And I see a lot of covers like that public traditionally published authors are using covers Oh yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I see a lot of people though complaining about it that the, hmm. that it's being overdone now. And it's like right. but if it fits it, you know? Right. I don't know. I think I think it it just depends. I honestly it doesn't I'm more more uh, you know torn by the blurb on the back than the exact cover. Like I might right. look at it and be like, huh, I wonder what this is yeah. and then read the blurb. But you know, it, I don't get turned off by a graphic cover or a um, overly sexualized one or <clears throat> one with a half naked guy on the cover. You know, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I <don't> try, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to honestly, for me personally, whenever I pick my covers, I try I'm trying to make sure they look similar for the um, the series that I'm writing. Okay. So the one that has the comic graphic kind, all of those covers will look like that or look similar. Right. And then this, when I have the, uh, when I do the one with uh, the next book in my um, British series there, it's a, it's a rugby team. So all of them are going to have the siloed guy on the cover. So, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's important to have it continuity and not mm-hmm. just the font in the title. So are you making your own covers or you're, you're having a graphic designer? I made, I made my very first cover, which has been successful, but since then, oh no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't trust myself. I, I work with graphic designers during my day job and I understand there is so much more than what I actually did. And it's, uh, it is beyond my realm to make something good and marketable. So I don't mind putting out money for a good, well done uh, cover because it's, it's well worth it. And that is part, honestly, it's just part of the marketing. Like that is definitely something you have to have. Cause if not, well, the yearbook's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> right. Right. So it sounds like in your day job, you have to be a little more polished. How, I guess when you, you know, with your writing life, maybe you get to bring your personality out a little more. How do you weave that into your stories? I, uh, there, when I can't say things, I write them down. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm in a zoom meeting and there's something I just really want to say, I'll put it on a post-it note (laughs) and that might end up in the book that night. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, or there have been things I've said at work and that (laughs) I've had friends at work who, who've read it and they're like, I remember hearing you say that the other day. And I'm like, yep. That's true to life. <laughs> you know, it is, you know, because uh, it's funny because the my friend who does do a lot of my beta and alpha, she um, she said every book she's read of mine, she's like, I see some of you in every one of those books, mm-hmm. whether it's the single mom aspect, because I until recently I was a single mom and I just recently got married in August. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, or it could be the sassy, the doesn't take any crap from anybody, the one-liners, the uh, things like that. Like I, I am one of these people that if I, I can't school my features. So if something wackadoodle crazy happens, you're going to, if you look at my face, you're going to realize, oh gosh, this really is wackadoodle crazy because <laughs> look at her face. <laughs> or or they'll look at me like my friend will say don't say it because I see it on your face (laughs) and it's going to come out like just don't and and I try I try so hard they 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 eke out sometimes but (laughs) but I I try to tame them down and not use as many curse words in them when I'm working (laughs) but they expect honestly a lot of them if I don't say anything at work they will say, oh, what's wrong with you today? We know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, we expected you to have comments. Like, why Why was there no comment? I'm like, oh, now I'm your entertainment. It's <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I, I, think, I, I think we all insert parts of ourselves when we're writing. It's a personal, you know, it's something personal we're doing. So it's it's hard to not carry over into our writing. Oh, definitely. It's definitely, but it's such an outlet at times it it's is just such a and especially when I get in the zone where mm. I am so immersed in my story and it's just going and it's almost like I don't know if this happens to you or not but when I'm writing it's almost like there's my fingers are typing the story but the movie of my story oh my god yes behind my eyes almost and it's yes. like and I'm trying to go fast and more and and if I don't I have this this uh, planner and I will, I have all my daily activities of what has to happen, where the kids have to be, things like that. But then if I'm getting tired and I can't write anymore, I will put 
everything down there and then I'll refer back. But it is, it is when I, I love that zone. The worst is when you can't reach that zone and you're right, at a block right. and you're like, come on, what was I saying? <laughs> it's so frustrating. So how do you get out of that when you get blocked? How do you, how do you pull yourself out of there? I change the way I write. So I normally, I'm, I'm what a lot of people call a pantser. I don't plan out That's a lot. That's me too. I, I, I sit and I write. Um, if I can't, I will shut the laptop, get a notebook out and start just writing words on paper. And then that tends to just almost snap me out of it. But I also have to be able to do that. I do have rheumatoid arthritis. So using my hands to write sometimes is very painful or very difficult to do. So I can't quite always utilize that. Sometimes I have to go for a walk. Sometimes I just have to just stare into the, the abyss and be like, mm, I, it's just not happening today. And say, I'll try again tomorrow. It, I think everybody has their, their ways of doing things, but I, I've found the most for me to bring me out of being blocked is to just change from computer to writing, writing to computer, and then just refer back to what I was writing by hand. All right. So tell us a little bit about your series. I know you have a couple and then you have, it looks like a standalone. Um, technically they're all kind of part of different series. I just haven't gotten more than one book in some of them. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so my, I'd say my main series right now is um, Dirty Laundry and Dirty Laundry is actually the name of the gossip magazine in my books. And mm. it started out tabloid is about Talia who is was known as the gossip queen like she she worked for dirty laundry she got the big scoop of the century type of deal because this big movie star's girlfriend was having an affair with her agent and she just so happened to be there when she saw them together well the big movie star is actually uh they grew up together and it's her twin brother's best friend. So he ends up conning her into a fake relationship because it, because of her putting him in this position and almost destroying what he had going with the girlfriend and all that fun stuff. Um, so she's sassy. She doesn't care. She hates him. Like, it is... <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of zingers and her brother is her twin brother and they are, they end up going from Los Angeles to Georgia where they're from. And that's how tabloid is. So a lot of my book, a lot of the books in that particular series go, I take my characters places. So Talia and Zeke are in Georgia for the majority of the story the next the the whole series is basically around this group of movie stars for the most part and i say for the most part because a couple of the other stories are offshoots of their brother or sister things things like that so in the second book is max and chrissy who you meet in the first book 
But Max is the movie star. He's arrogant. He's a jerk. Chrissy is a single mom who is living in Georgia, ends up going to Los Angeles, and their story takes them to Costa Rica, which the funny thing about that was my fiance at the time, husband now, saw me researching Costa Rica because when I write about places I've never been, I want to make sure I'm getting details accurate. Right. And he thought that's where I wanted to go for our honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) So he's telling people all about it. I'm like, wait, where are you getting that? He's like, you were looking it up. And I was like, don't look at my history. (laughs) I'm like, for my book, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh boy. I'm like, no, no, no. So, so that's the second book scandal. And there's a lot of drama with that because we end up meeting who Chrissy's the father of Chrissy's daughter is and Mm -hmm. things like that. And Mm -hmm. he's a scumbag and all that fun stuff. (laughs) I know it sounds fun, right? It's right. (laughs) Sounds like real life. (laughs) It it is. It is. And uh, the, the third book rumors is actually Talia's brother Rex and Max's sister, Alyssa. And she becomes the lead singer for this band. And because of some issues that Rex has, he becomes her bodyguard. So they cross the country. They, they go to Chicago. They go to New York. They go, so they go to New Orleans. There's even, like, I've even had to look up tarot card readings because I had that happen. I, I, I put that in my book. So I had to look up, okay, I wanted to say this. So what tarot cards do we need and things like that? So and I had people read it and say it's pretty accurate. They well, thought that's I was, always good. I know. They said I thought I was into tarot. I was like, nah, not really. Like, <laughs> I, I just research. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always good. That's a it compliment. Is, it is. And the fourth book is actually the, basically, it's, it, it, if I wanted it to be, it could be the last book in the series. It's not. There's at least multiple books coming after this but um this one is Terrence and Annie and they Annie is also a single mother and Terrence has a lot of problems this is the most emotional one like I was writing chapters crying because her son is has cancer and there's a lot of emotion there Terrence is in rehab and going through all of that so the challenge with something like that is it's so emotionally heavy. How do you make a kid with cancer funny? So, Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And it, it is a, it is a challenge, but my, my alpha has said that it is really, it, I've worked it in really well. Like I don't make it silly funny. Like it's, right maybe awkward funny or, you know, things like that. So that's basically how the Dirty Laundry series is. Through tabloid, because it is called the Dirty Laundry series, all of them have the aspect of gossip, like the the horrible rumors, the horrible, <clears throat> like everything that comes with stardom comes through. So with tabloid, it's very much centered on the magazine itself there that 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 portion of it um scandal is 
a very it, it comes out it's scandalous there's like these th these information um rumors is all about them just throwing different information out there and it doesn't make sense and then secrets is is the fourth one that's coming out this fall and it is very steeped with the secret part and and, and the funny thing is is i come up with these titles and don't realize how accurate they are until I'm done. And I'm like, oh, it's almost subconscious. So it's a little weird. <laughs> weird but, in know, a good way. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. It's like kind of ironic. They're like, did you plan that? No, not, not, not really. Like, <laughs> because it's I It's great like, how it comes together. Yeah. That, that seems to, that's how it works for me. It's a lot of it subconscious with some of that, because the minute I plan it, I can't get it to work. It's just, it's almost, it's forced. Exactly. And it's like, okay, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound real. And, and we've all read those books where you're like, uh, and it's hard to read, hard to finish. Yeah. 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 And like not being able to put yourself in that position, it, it's tough. Even in like paranormal stuff, you have to be able to say, you know, that's me in that book kind of thing. Right. Right. So that's, that's like I said, my biggest series at the moment. Um, I also have um, a Christmas book since it's coming up Christmas time. Um, it called the ugly Christmas sweater. And that one, that one's pretty uh, traditional rom-commy. There's not a whole lot of drama other than the, the mama doesn't like her and they have to save a, um, an animal rescue, but it really just starts out with the main character going to a an ugly Christmas sweater party and her for her friend and her friend picks her picks out the the worst one for her to wear and she has one too many drinks and her internal voice becomes her out voice and there's a lot of funny like almost slapsticky kind of stuff like that mm -hmm. but it's it's a fun Christmas read but there will be more for that because I have a lot of characters in that book who want stories. And, and I say that because they're there. If I, if I go in and read, reread it, it's like, okay, I know where I'm going with that one. I know where I'm going with that one. It's just, That's I wish there were more of me or more time in the day to get this stuff out. Um, <clears throat> then I have the, the, the rugby, the sports rom-com, which is, um, it's called unexpected um and that one that's fun to write but it also does have a level of suspense in it um there's even a pretty serious assault in it that could be triggering for people um but it there is no i don't i won't write like uh rape or incest or things like that that's one if I write rom-com, that's really tough to do. <laughs> to yeah, it, it's like know? far off pace. <laughs> yeah, but an assault, somebody coming back from it, you know, there's like a sense of overcoming and, and, and going above and, you know, even that, because there's still, even when somebody has something terrible happen to them, there is still in daily life, funny things that happen. There are still, you know like jokes that are made even if it's not about that particular topic 
just in general in life. So I try to at least have some levity when I have the heavy stuff. Like, like with the going back to secrets with Annie's son who has cancer, that is in itself is not funny. However, the way the friends interact or um, anything along that, or even, you know, she's busy checking them out and then trips over her own feet or something like that. You know, it's, it, right. there's right. little snippets that you can relate to, even if it's happening in a children's hospital. So, you know, it's, it's, you almost forget what's happening until I basically shove it at you. So uh, unexpected, I think I'm going to do the next book in that series. I have, I have quite a bit um, started for that because unfortunately the voices don't stop even if you're focused on one. Mm-hmm. So I, I have multiples going on at the same time right now. Um, and then the one, honestly, it's probably one of my favorites that I've written and I thought has been honestly the funniest is um, a work in progress. And uh, that one is about Tegan, who is just turning 39 and she's still a virgin. And she decides, look, this is the year of Tegan. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. I'm gonna go on lots of dates. I'm gonna have lots of fun. I'm gonna have a bucket list. I'm gonna do all this fun stuff. So the book itself, honestly takes you through these horrible dates that she has ones with an entertainer which is actually a magician and he comes dressed like it to the restaurant Uh, (laughs) i mean like think of every horrible date you've ever had and that i i think i shove them all in there And, and it's awkward and it's cringy and you're like, oh man, but did that really happen? Because some of these are taken from my real life. So wow. I, I let people imagine which ones I've encountered. <laughs> but then in, in the grand scheme of things, she's absolutely in love with her boss. And she Ooh. can't be because they have a non-fraternization and he is in love with her and he doesn't care. He's willing to, you know, forgo everything. And she's just trying to ignore it. The side bit about this, which is some of what people love about, is her grandmother lives in a nursing home and has a group of friends. They call the naughty needle-pointing nannies. <laughs> and they needle-point <laughs> horrible things on pillows. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They, there is one scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. And they, her grandmother is getting remarried to one of the one of the uh, older gentlemen at the nursing home. And for her um, bachelorette party, they take her to laser tag. Wow. And (laughs) (laughs) they all have um, shirts. Their team name is the Nut Nuzzlers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite part, honestly, is the one part where they... Tegan is like hunkered down because she hates laser tag, doesn't want to do any of this, hates the whole thing. And she's hunkered down behind this wall and zooming at her is a woman on a hover round holding her laser gun 
sideways like she's a gangster out of Compton <laughs> and just shooting at, at these off-duty police officers that they are going against for laser tag. So <laughs> it, it is definitely more, it's a lot funnier and would make you laugh out loud while you're reading it and have people look at you like, what is going on? So <laughs> it is definitely a funnier one of one of my funnier ones i think it's it's i like that but i'm in the middle of uh writing her friend's story also so i i do have the second book in the works for that one but it's again that you gotta go with who's talking to you at the time mm -hmm. and and where where it's going but i'm almost done with secrets i'm not sure which one i'm gonna go for after that so <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Your books sound like they would be great movies. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually had um, quite a few reviews like that, that they read like a movie mm -hmm. that you can visualize them. And I'm like, good, because that's how I see them. It's like <laughs> right. it's a movie playing in my head. So <laughs> if you guys can see that, too, then that's definitely. <laughs> For someone starting out, what's a piece of advice you would give them? My piece of advice just getting your story down, just get it out there, get it all down. Don't worry about anything. If you have a story to tell, tell your story. Don't worry about genre. Don't worry about if people are gonna love it or like it. That's what edits are for. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about anything. Get your story out. Once you do that, then you have to start doing the editing and things like that. But also one piece of advice I did get from another indie author is as an indie author you're only as good as the last book you published so you just have to keep doing it until you really have a solid base like a lot of you i mean we see these very popular authors who can uh, put one book out a year mm -hmm. an indie mm -hmm. author can't do that i mean you can but it is hard to sustain a following when you don't have that constant almost turnover it's because people it, there's so many indie authors out there mm -hmm. that if you're not being seen by them they're you're going to lose them and i know that sounds horrible but that's honestly how you build your base because once you build your base then you can have longer stretches of time between books you can have um, you, you, you can have longer stretches and then you, you will still have that group of people to come back to and read your book and be into it and be like, Oh yeah, I gotta, I, I forgot about this. Or I have to, that's, that's the hardest part. And but do you think you set the expectation that they'll always expect books fast? Like possibly, right. I mean, possibly, I mean, I, like I said, it's been a year and a half and I'm going on book seven. That wasn't necessarily intentional for me. I've just seen that it works and it is, it is tough because the last I've had a larger span of time between, because my last two books, I actually had two books come out in June instead of spreading them over just because it was a surprise. It wasn't expected. Mm -hmm. um, but then I'm probably not going to have my next one until November. So 
it has been tough and I have worried that I'm losing. I mean, I've seen sales drop. I've seen because I'm not out there. I'm not, I'm not producing. And I think that's the toughest part as an indie. I, I mean, not all authors are like this. And, but I think if you talk to a lot of indie authors, it is, unfortunately, at the beginning, it is better to have as many as possible and not, and not and that's that being said, it needs to be as many quality as possible. Not right, right. let me just like throw crap out there. That's that's you're going to lose people that way. But it is I mean, people in this day and age, they're fickle. They're, you know, the next bright, shiny thing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And as an indie author, just trying to get up off your feet. I mean, I'm hoping in five years <laughs> that I don't have to do that. That mm-hmm. maybe it's like three a year or something like that. But now it's just like, I want to get it out, get it going, you know, and go back into the process. The biggest issue with that is the money that an indie author does have to shell out for the most part is for advertising, for marketing, for like editing, for all of that stuff. You have to have that money and having a day job, having kids, having a husband, it is tough. It is a, it is definitely a second job. Like I, I couldn't have another part-time job if, and do this at the same time. For sure. How many books do you think you should put out in a, let's say a given year? Mm, Honestly, I mean, I say as many as you feel you uh like uh, that's that's really tough like it depends on the person yeah it does depend on the person it depends on how they write it depends on the stories Mm -hmm. like like a work in progress i wrote that one in the i did that for last year's nanowrimo i don't know if you do that or not rj i i did i did it last year well i wrote all of well, almost all of, I think it was like 10,000 that I didn't get to during that month of November. But that story came so fast and so furious that it was like, boom, like I had to get it out. I had to get it down. If you have a story like that, it's easy to shell out some, some, all these books. It's easy to like really write through if you have stories coming at you like that. If you are really having problems and working through it, they are not going to come that fast. And it just really, it depends. Um, I know, I mean, I even see it with authors I follow when they're, they have life events, like they got to have, they had a new baby or something like that. And they're not on social media as much. Mm -hmm. You almost forget about them. And, And it's not because you want to, it's that everything else is going on. Mm-hmm. And like to, as somebody really starting out, that's not as established, like producing as much as you can is a much more effective way to build that base, to get people interested, to get, just get your name out there more frequently. I think, I think that goes for a lot of products in marketing. The more options you see, the more, you know, Oh, okay. I remember them. I read that book or, Oh, that sounds good. Oh, this is a series, you know, and it gets things talking, but when you're gone for like six months or something like that, I think it's tough. It's, it's, it is definitely tough. Even with your 
diehard people. Cause I, I've even had some of mine, like, where are you at? Where have you been? What have you, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm working on it. I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you balance social media in between writing marketing that is an ongoing struggle for me Mm, honestly me also (laughs) yeah instagram's easy honestly (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty much the only one i'm active on i try to do facebook i try and do twitter but somehow i just more comfortable in the instagram world i don't know why um i i i instagram i'm every day that that is honestly but Instagram, I also have connected to Twitter and my author page on Facebook. So technically, that is always happening. Um, I also have a beta group and a just a party group for, for my readers and stuff like that. I haven't been as active as I would have liked because I'm so focused on, I want to get the work done before I'm shouting to the rooftops. It's coming, it's coming, and it's not done yet. Right. So... Right. I, I, it it is a hard balance because it's like, okay, the next time I'll really be like, I should have my my audiobook for my Christmas, uh, my ugly Christmas sweater coming out around November. So that'll be perfect. That'll be easy marketing to be able to do that. However, at the same time, I'm probably going to have secrets book four in dirty laundry coming out in November for some reason. And this is never planned. They all land. And in certain months all the time. And I'm like, what the, (laughs) and and people are like, you should plan better. And I'm like, yeah, but I need to get them out. I need to get it out. I need, I I, I can't sit on like, like there are some authors that can sit on their books for months and be like, okay, well, I'll have this long drawn out marketing plan. And it's like, I just can't do that. I, I actually um, have been more focused on Goodreads lately because I, took this free class with um alessandra torres tori um through facebook because i'm i'm in her anchors group and uh she had some really interesting information and and how to utilize it in a in a way that i had never thought to utilize it and getting readers and getting people interested in your your things and she is both traditionally published and independently published so things coming from her it was a lot it was like almost like a an awakening and then i'm also um i don't know if you had heard anything about it but they also have um starting on monday um i forget his name but he is doing an intensive on amazon that's brian cohen yep and i signed up for that i'm doing that second time i'm oh good because i'm doing it too and because I'm like, well, clearly I'm not doing something correctly because it's it's not working. And I want to figure out what I'm doing wrong or, you know, and and it's, it's taking things like that that I think really uh, can lift up an, an indie author too. Right. It, it takes, it is so much work. It's not just writing a story. And I think people who want to be authors don't realize that. They just think, oh, I'll write a story. It'll be a bestseller. Yep. You know, I'll be, I'll be living forever off this income. Uh, so did you ever try or did you think to, um, find a publishing company to work with? I have, um, I've tried a different, a couple different, um, I've actually thought about going more the route of a, uh, 
a uh, an agent um, before, but I'm I'm still at this point where I try it, I don't try it, uh, because now it's at the point where I have I'll be almost seven books published, and they don't want previously published books. They want the next manuscript. I'm right. like, well, just about everything is going to be book two, book three, book five, four or five, you know? And it's like, okay, well, I, I just feel odd with that. But also because I do, I consider myself rom-com, a lot of them don't like the way I write my rom-com. They like dual points of view for rom-com. Mm -hmm. And some, I have, I have my, my sports, my rugby one is dual point of view. So it's got both the male and the female differentiating different chapters. However, I usually don't do that. That's not normal for me. Right. And they automatically, they're like, well, that's not rom-com. Rom I'm like, well, why are you peeing your pants when you're laughing about it? Right. <laughs> like, right. like, I'm like, I don't, I think sometimes the traditional publishing houses pigeonhole like certain certain types and it's like it's got to have this and it can't be over this word you know it's got to be 70,000 to 80,000 anything over well, they won't look at anything under they won't look at I'm like what about the quality of the story yeah there's too many too many rules yeah and that's kind of like where I'm like and there is a lot of work to go and hunt that stuff down there is a lot of you got to look for who is looking for your genre, who is looking for, they're very specific. They're very, you have to have a query letter. You have to have a synopsis, a full book synopsis that can only be three to five pages. And you have to have all the spoilers and, and all that stuff. And, it, and it's, it I freaking hate that. I hate that. I, I've done it twice. I hate it. I, I will I never do. do it again. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I figure, honestly, if somebody come, if a, an agent comes across my work and they really like me, they're going to contact me or they're going to, you know, if it's meant to be, it will happen that way. It won't be with me putting so much. I, I absolutely hate. That's the one thing I hate is having to dilute my story and then give all the spoilers away just for somebody to be able to read it in three to five right. pages. I'm like, you are losing so much. I'm like, you don't understand getting to that spoil, getting to that twist or getting to that. Oh my goodness. Moment is part of the story. And I, Oh, it drives me insane. And I'm like, I, it's not worth it to me. Honestly. I'm just like, well, if it happens. It happens. It's not going to be because I'm, I'm hunting it down. I'm, I, I don't see it that way. And I, and honestly, I think some of the other, published indie published authors that are very successful who have come out of it are uh, the the way they were almost discovered is that way it wasn't because they hunt down a publishing house or a, a, a literary agent well that's always good good to hear <laughs> I mean that's just my opinion but I, hopefully I'm correct who you know you're correct too <laughs> I know there are times when I'm like, when am I getting that call from Passion Flicks? You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what my husband's like. He's like, he's like, keep writing. He's like, you're, you're going to get that uh, big screen deal and we'll be made forever. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's good to dream. I love that, you have that confidence, but we'll see. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with us. Oh, yes. No problem. So thank much you for fun. having me. Yes. Check Jackie out on social media. She's really funny on Instagram. All right. You'll get a <laughs> chuckle try. or two. If you made it this far, you survived another episode of Married to My Writing. Stay tuned for our next episode when we talk with indie author Anne Darling. Until next time. Hey.